Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 175. Just a news show, recorded January 11th, 2015, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel, and I am joined this week by my stalwart co-host, Chris, the command line godfather, Neves, and Seth, the gooey kid, Anderson. Hello, gentlemen. Good evening and salutations, good sir. Howdy, folks, from the depressed land of Blown Calls, Texas. <laughs> okay, let's let's talk about that. That was not a blown call. He dropped the pass. It was ter- to- totally valid. Um, it, there is precedent. It has been called that way before, um, and it was perfectly fine. And it's not the only thing that ruined the game. They shouldn't have been throwing that pass on fourth and one with more than two and a half minutes to go in the game. I, no, it was I know, four and a half he- at that point. Wasn't it? But here's the thing: three steps and an extension that has to be a football move. I don't understand how it wasn't one step, it wasn't two steps, it was two steps and a knee and an extension of the ball. But so, the rule but is yes. that when you go to the ground during the process of a catch, you have to hold on to it all the way through. And he didn't. He came up with it, but for a millisecond in there, it left his hands. Okay, but. How many steps after you catch the ball constitutes the process of the catch? Which I agree, that's not the only reason they lost the game. Yeah. If the defense ever learned how to wrap up somebody, you know, <laughs> instead of just trying to bounce off the receiver. Well, they're trying to strip uh, the ball. They weren't trying to take the guy down. They were trying to strip the ball. And when they missed, they were going backwards and the other guy was running. Because yeah. they were but, trying I to. I mean, it was a good game to watch. Though. I enjoyed it. So. And uh, right now, my beloved Peyton is getting a thrashing. I don't know. Um, how that score is going at the moment, but when I came down here, they were losing, and that that's sad. I, I really wanted to see another Broncos uh, Seahawks Super Bowl. Because uh, well, I think uh, I think the Patriots will destroy Indianapolis. Yeah, we'll this see. Is my opinion, but um, of course, <laughs> I, yeah, I think they would destroy the Broncos the way the Broncos have been playing lately. So yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, welcome to Football yeah. Weekly. Um, just a, a quick side note, I was playing this uh, last week's show as I was editing, editing it, and my 10-year-old walked through the room and said, the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. She has it memorized now. She knows the whole spiel. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> cool. So, yes, the Cowboys are now out of the playoffs. They do, however, have one playoff win. So Romo got that 50-pound monkey off his back that he can't win a playoff game. Um, there's that, but, uh, you know, for a team that was predicted to go eight and eight, they did all right. Yeah. Yeah. You can't complain too much. Uh, well, sure you can. I'm a Cowboys fan. I can complain a lot. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I noticed something this week that I can't quite decide whether it's cool or creepy and maybe it's a little bit of both. So, um, for, I've had Google now on my Nexus five for a long time now. Um, and when I do Chrome searches, signed into Chrome, the, those searches inform Google now, and I see the results of it on my phone, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Because you searched for uh, the Cowboys, here's the score of the game. Those things are kind of cool. So what I have been doing studiously for a while now is doing things that I want my phone to be aware of in Chrome and other things in Firefox. So, for example, we're watching a, a kid's movie, a Disney movie, and my wife says, I've seen that person in something else. And I do a search for them, 
in Firefox because I don't want Google Now telling me about the kid who stars in this t- Disney movie. I don't care. I don't want it. Um, right. Well, somehow, s- recently, as a, at, a, at an update, now if you're signed into a Google service in Firefox, that now goes over to your phone too. So huh. I, I did a I did a search of it, a test of it. I, I just opened the new tab on on uh, Firefox, and you get that little Google search box, and I typed in a search. This is the search from the new tab page. And I went immediately to my phone and typed, started to type a search in the Google bar in my phone, and that was the top search suggestion, most recent one. So then I went oh, wow. and, and said, this is a search from the Firefox location bar, and there it was. And then I went, this is a search from the Firefox search bar, and there it was. So it's, it's now linked up somewhere in the background, and uh, I, don't, I don't think I'm happy about it. But I'm not really mad about it either. It's just that now, now I'm going to have to go into like an incognito mode when I yep. want to look up Disney kid actors. And, and you know, it'd be really nice is if you could actually link to the incognito mode on a shortcut to your desktop on the phone, because then that then your problem would be all gone. Because if you wanted to do something incognito, you had a a one tap button to get to it. Well, that's it's not on the phone. It's on the on the desktop that's the thing now i'm doing searches on the oh. desktop and they're well, there again they're they're polluting my google now and you know again i like google now i like the fact that at uh you know uh, 5 45 every weekday morning it tells me how long it's going to take to get to work because it's figured out a where i work and b when i leave i like that um i like the fact that it says because you were interested in agents of shield don't forget to check out agent carter this week i like that but Sometimes it's just a little too much. Now now I can't not have the Googles spying on me, short of using Bing. <laughs> Ew. Why would you say such a horrible four-letter word well, on the, the show? That's the thing. You know, that's what I'm, I'm reduced to. <laughs> I'm reduced to using Bing for the searches that I don't... You, you need to be able to tell Google, not this time. Ignore this one. Um, and, I, you know, I guess I, the incognito is the way to do that. But incognito, you know, that's like porn mode. And I always feel a little dirty when I fire it up, even if it's for something like like when I'm searching for a birthday present for my wife, I don't want that to show up anywhere. I don't want that to actually accidentally pop up on a, on an account we share somewhere. So I go incognito mode. Uh, unfortunately, there's not an incognito mode like on Amazon. So there, and we share yeah. that account. And there have been times she logs into Amazon and says, uh, "What's this search for this diamond necklace?" Uh, that was a typo. I, I meant to type diamond saw blade. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, you would have to be in cognito mode searching in Amazon. I'd have to be logged out of Amazon. I, yeah. I, yeah. If, if you bring up cognito incognito mode and go to Amazon, it doesn't automatically sign you in, does it? Right. But yeah, the yes, exactly. But I couldn't. I couldn't actually purchase it from Amazon because uh, we share that account. Oh, so that's there, true. There needs to be an incognito purchasing mode. If I want to buy, um, you know, a negligee for my girlfriend and not my, and not tell my wife about it, I should have that right. Um, you should. That's an American it's, right. It's called create a second email account. I guess so. And, and link a second credit <laughs> card. And uh, it's just yep. so much work to be dishonest. 
<laughs> well, that's that's the th- that's the the issues you have for trying to be sneaky. So in the in the classic, you know, George Costanza moment, worlds are colliding here, and I can't quite decide whether I like it or not. Um, I'm one who's often said, you know, I welcome our Google overlords. Uh, I don't care about privacy; that I get something for what I give them. Uh, but now that they've done this, sort of surreptitiously. I'm I'm starting to back off on that and say, you know, I, I need to get a little tinfoil out. Yay! <laughs> Just I'm not a little alone bit anymore. <laughs> nah, it's all it's all good. You can be all right with that. It's just that it's it's not again. It's not about hiding. It's about polluting. Um, I do lots of searches that are one-off searches that I don't want linked with anything else because it's going to pollute things. My kids log onto my laptop and and do stuff, and that's fine I, because there's nothing on my laptop. I'm a, I'm afraid for them to see. Right, so the we shared machines. Uh, my the living room um, computer is the family computer, and and everybody's and it's logged into my Google account, um, and so that that's fine. But I don't want my little ponies showing up in my Google now, and because <laughs> of this new setup, that's exactly what's going to happen. You know, you want the My Little Pony. You know it. <laughs> Did you guys see the holiday add-ins for what they all the different new things you can do in the Hangouts? Speaking of ponies, because they have ponies that you can have dance in your Google <laughs> Hangout. No, I, I haven't played with that, nor shall I. <laughs> hmm, it's awesome, though. Oh, great! The show is over. Good night, folks. It's been uh, <laughs> it's been a good show. See you next week. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention before I. Um, turn the show over to the rest of you my my moto moto 360 that i talked about last week the the number one question i get from people is about battery life how long is better and it was the thing i was most concerned about before i purchased it because some of the first gen stuff um was you know getting eight or nine hours um after the 5.01 android wear 5.01 update uh to my phone and then an update to the watchmaker app that i use for custom faces both of those things it was the watchmaker app was sucking down more battery than it should be but now i routinely get 18 hours 20 to 22 is not unusual so um, wow that's off the table uh it's i'm fine with it now i don't even uh, i in fact the last watch face i built i didn't even put a battery meter on it it's just it's not something i care about anymore um that problem has been solved Wow, cool. that's awesome. Yeah. I don't do they, they the Moto 360 is the only one that has what's called an ambient mode. Basically, it leaves the light on most of the time, still not all the time. Um that I tried it today. I ran it in ambient mode and I got about 12 hours out of it. Um and I prefer that. I'd like to be able to look at my watch at any point and see the time. Uh but with that off, you have to do the tilt thing. You've got to give it a full 90 degree. I'm looking at you now uh, to get it to come on. Uh right. but, you know, it's not worth giving up 9 hours of battery life. So, yeah, yeah, I just uh, maybe they'll fix that. Maybe they won't. Um, but I'm not I would like to have a watch face that's always on. Um, what I think would be awesome would be some sort of combination of e-ink and LCD. I don't even know there if that's doable, but something that doesn't need a backlight that switches when you look at it to something that's lit up. Get on that, engineers. Well, couldn't you do that if you put two layers on top of each other? I don't know, because one of them is going to be opaque. Right, I mean, LCDs are never transparent, are they? Right, the, but you'd put that one underneath the e-ink, so e-ink would be on top, and but when the e-ink it is lit either up, black or white, it's never transparent. Okay, there are little styrofoam balls that. in there. They're either the white sides yeah, up or the black f- sides up. I forgot about that. Yeah, so you'd have yeah. to have okay. some sort of motor that flips them out. 
<laughs> Good old steam or punk. drops them all. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, it, it's still early days for the smartwatch thing, but I'm I'm very pleased with my Moto 360. It uh, it's very cool. I like being able to read. I didn't think I would be. I didn't think I'd like it as much as I do, but I like being able to read emails and texts on my watch without having to get my phone. I, that's such a, a, a white privileged American thing to say. I got to pull my phone out of my pocket to read an email, uh, but it's true. It, 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 it's amazing how much simpler life is uh, because most of my emails are not things I want to actually look at right now. Uh, so I can do quick triage. I look at it. I see the subject line or the first few lines of it and done. In text messages, I can usually see the whole message in there and I can uh, you can tap to reply or you can just ignore it. Uh, in the uh, Pebble Watch, you just shake your wrist and it goes away. That's kind of cool. Uh, but anyway, it's just once I got it, I realized how cool it is. <laughs> Hashtag first world problems. Yeah. There it is. I mean, I, my, I admit that my douche level went way up, but uh, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Was it worth this it? might be my last show, actually. <laughs> just put, put the gooey kid over the top. I thought you would like that. A little bit of gooeyness there. You know, uh, like I say, my boss did this whole look, and I just went, I made a snap judgment, and it stuffed it. <laughs> what a load of crap. <laughs> so, you know, like I say, you know, if Kate Upton would quit doing the Age of War and do the uh, Google or the the smartwatch thing, then I might be all in. But, uh, oh, is that no, the chick who wears the white gown? Is that in those ads? Is yes, that that's Kate about? Upton. I couldn't have picked her out of a police lineup. Is she a person? Let me see. Is she a famous thing? <laughs> yes. Okay. At least sure. a single guys. You're married, so. I, I'm, things jiggle nicely when she walks. Um, that's really that's, all I know That's about. why single guys know who she is. <laughs> <laughs> she she's not known like she won't win an Oscar for best actress, but she could win like best model at the Victoria, you yeah. know, the Hooters girl. She could be top yeah. Hooters girl. Yeah. She could be top Hooters girl, <laughs> but not top actress. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh wow, we've really spun off the rails already. Uh, Gabriel oh, yeah. Martina, happy birthday to you! Yeah, I signed in. I looked at Google Plus, and it's like today's his birthday. So happy birthday from the EDL crew. And he's the salient OS guy that we had on in a quasi sort of interview a while back. Right. Right. So there there you go. And uh I, I don't know what Strands of Sorrow is, Seth. It's the um the black um the last book in the zombie series I've been reading from John Ringo. I pre ordered it and so I paid price for a, you know, hardback book. I don't do that. That's how much I like these. And I just got my email that it shipped. It shipped like on Friday. So I'm not a prime member. I don't pay extra for shipping or the fee. So I should get it sometime this week. So come next week, I will be able to tell you how it was. All right. Uh, I just recently started listening to classic sci-fi that every geek uh, says you have to read uh, um, Lucifer's Hammer um, by... um, Oh gosh, what's his name? I just blanked on it. The uh... <laughs> wow. I don't remember either. My brain me, just yeah. totally went away from me, and now I'm going to have to open my app. Uh, Larry Niven and Jerry Pornell. Um, basically, oh, okay. I mean the without <laughs> no spoilers here. A a planet sized comet slams into the Earth, um, and so that's Lucifer's hammer. Uh, and it was written in like the the 60s, I'm guessing. Because it takes place in the near future of 1970. 
Um, so it's, <laughs> it's kind of fascinating to listen to them talk about things like Skylab. Uh, and, you know, um, I, I, I got to get to a phone. Uh, somebody actually said that line, you know, they're driving, I got to get to a phone. And, and the, they, he talks about a, a person using a tape deck and they push the play and record button on the piano style buttons. And it's just, it's so funny to, to step back. I mean, the writing is solid and it could certainly be modernized. Uh, but it's, it's just interesting to, to listen to quote unquote classic sci-fi that feels very dated and yet is still solid sci-fi. Yeah. I was, uh, reading an interview uh of tesla from the 20s and you know there was just some weird stuff it turns out he's a really weird guy which everybody probably already knew that yeah. but he oh, was yeah. talking about computers you- crazy crazy yeah. really- <laughs> yes. but he was talking about computers you could carry around in your shirt pocket and pr- printing out the newspaper at your house yeah, yeah. you know things stuff like you go you know, okay, he nailed where we're going in computing, and we've had printers that you can print wirelessly to, but now you wouldn't print it out. You would just read it on screen, right. something that was beyond their copy, you know, just beyond their paradigm at the time. So I was like, it was an amazing thing. And, you know, it's like 90-odd years ago that he was talking about this stuff. Yeah, um, their screen he, technology at the time was projection onto, yeah. a, onto a canvas. Yeah, so he he nailed a lot of it, you know, like I say, people would say, oh, he didn't get it exactly right, but he nailed large swaths of uh, early 21st century technology in the early 20th century. So, like I say, he was crazy, but he was a visionary too. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was interesting, you know, so I wanted to contribute. So this this book is kind of a it's two of my favorite loves it's history and sci-fi um it's excuse me it's accidental history it doesn't mean to be history but it kind of is um Anyway, uh, we just have one bit of listener feedback this week, and uh, that is Will, who is terribly, terribly wrong about the Dreamcast. And Will, I must Uh-oh. correct you on this. Uh, he says, hey, Seth, Chris, and Mark, on your topic about tech failures that were too far ahead of their time to survive, you never mentioned the Sega Dreamcast. As Sega's final system had a dial-up modem for online multiplayer and special memory cards called VMUs. It had buttons and a screen that allowed you to play mini games on the go that would increase uh, some in-game status. Uh, nowadays, Online multiplayer is more common than playing a game by yourself, and many games are implementing, quote, cloud features that allow you to play many games on the go. But these features back in 1999 made the system very expensive. That and the fact that the system was released at a time when everybody, even most holdouts for Sega, had already settled on buying the Nintendo 64 made sales terrible, and two poorly selling consoles in a row uh, was a hit that Sega just couldn't come back from. Will. Um well, I didn't list that among the uh, mistakes because it wasn't a mistake. The Sega Dreamcast was freaking awesome. Uh, and in fact, yep. rivaled the technology of the Xbox 360, which came, uh, well, maybe not 360, but definitely the first Xbox, which came many years later. Um, the, your problem was not the technology at all. It was the marketing. You're absolutely right. They, they invented a gigabit, excuse me, a gigabyte DVD disc. Um, and then didn't license that. So that nobody could copy it, their their you know their uh, their DVDs were their own format that nobody could copy. Um, the the gameplay was awesome for the nine games that they made for it. Uh, nobody was interested in it because it was hard to get to that proprietary format, and because the Nintendo sixty four was there. But you know, ahead of their time, maybe. Um, 
but I th- I do think it was just bad marketing. The technology itself was amazing. Uh, I paid seventy bajillion dollars for mine. Um, I got it when it first came out, and I got the full setup. I, I got the 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 Dreamcast. I had four wireless controllers with chargers. I had uh, like six or eight VMUs and several different games, uh, and it was amazing. And I'm this is not an exaggeration. I know Mark likes to exaggerate, right? This is not an exaggeration. Three months after. I maxed out my credit card to get that thing. I was in a pawn shop with a buddy of mine looking at guitars, and there was a stack of them on the shelf for twenty bucks each. Um, that's how quickly oh. that console died. Yeah, it was a great console. Just I think it was either not not just poor marketing, but too early in the market. I think no, I think it was, just it, it too was far ahead of its propri- time. It was the proprietary model of the DVD, and then also the lack of third-party uh, development of games for it. And, you know, you could trace it. But no, it was hands down of that generation. It was the best in terms of horsepower and what the machine could do. You could even get on the internet on it. You yeah, know? it had a, it had so, a browser. You had to pop in a special yeah. disc. Uh, right. But that was an amazing feature. It was so visionary you know, it's one of those things you can't call it a failure because the games that came after said that was awesome. We need to do what they did. And so without it, there's no telling how far behind consoles would be today. So you can't call that a failure, Will. Sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> so maybe we'll put that in the same category as the Newton. Um, there but, you go. But it, you know, wow, my camera just went way weird. It's like focusing in up on the corner of the room uh while yeah, we try to it, figure it, out what's going on there uh in ultra blurry mark <laughs> it's weird it's horrible um anyway uh so that's that's the only bit of listener figure well i i understand what you're saying and i don't disagree with you necessarily except that you're wrong um otherwise you're right on <laughs> um and so let's talk now about the news of the week. This is just a news show. Uh, we didn't have any topic in particular. And I told my wife, I was sitting there saying, I don't, I don't have a title for this show. 175 times I've come up with a quasi-pithy title, and I'm run out. And she said, well, what's it about? I said, it's just a news show. Said, oh, there you go. There's the title. Just a news show. So, Seth, <laughs> what is our first news story this week? Scarlett Johansson. Yay. Yeah, I thought this would be kind of a good transition from the warm-up into the news story. Um, they have announced a Ghost in the Shell live-action movie. So, first of all, that terrifies me because one of the best mangas, um, one of the best, maybe the best anime film ever, the Ghost in the Shell, was phenomenal. The ser- two series that have came out rocked. Even the second film, it wasn't bad. It was one of those, if there hadn't been a ghost in the shell, you would go, that was a pretty cool anime film. But, you know, um, anyway, and so they've announced, and I don't know why, it's Japanese, it's going to be set in Japan, so let's get the lead actress, Scarlett Johansson. Now, has people who listen to the show know, I'm a Scarlett Johansson fan. There's, no, I have no problem watching Scarlett Johansson on the screen, however... I don't really think she's going to be able to pull off the major. Um, so anyway, I, I, I'm scared because they are possibly going to destroy one of the best anime and mangas out there. Um, 
So Hollywood, you better do this right or you could kill, or maybe this is their plan. They want to kill off anime in America. Um, and this might do it if they do it poorly. So, but (laughs) that's a pretty, that's a pretty heavy sword you're having them swing. I don't think they'd kill off anime. Dude, well, I mean, maybe for you, you know, it's one of those things. Like I say, I love Scarlett Johansson. Um, you know, but she's not the major. She can't be. Yeah. She has no I will agree with you. Being, she has no business being the lead in Ghost in the Shell. So um, what what I don't know anything about the the story, the characters, nothing. So what what is the problem with Scarlett Johansson as this character? Uh she's not Japanese or any Asian looking person. So well, it's a the, it's it's anime animated, right? Why does it need to be no, they're doing a they're doing a live action. Oh, okay. So you know, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be live action. I'm sure there'll be it'll be CGI heavy, but um, I just I don't I don't understand how they're going to do it. If they're gonna change it and make it kind of based in America instead of Japan, you know, okay, I could see that, but um, I don't but know. I don't I don't know how they could do that because the way the storylines go, that doesn't quite even fit because the the you would have to be, I don't, I'm with you, Mar- or Seth. I just don't know how they can pull that so it works because the major doesn't look American. She looks Japanese. So, yeah. I mean, you know, though, she, she has the, the hotness Im- factor to play the major because <laughs> the major's hot, but she, yeah. uh, she doesn't have the, you know, oriental. And even if you weren't going to go Japanese, but just kind of, you know, oriental and so you could throw Chinese or whatever into it, she doesn't look that way. So. And I'm, as, I'm as Lucy proved to us, she is not enough to make a movie work. Well, you know, right. nobody would be enough to make Lucy work. Um, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm sorry. They just, they destroyed that movie. And it's one of those, they should have taken longer to develop her up to a hundred percent or jump to the hundred percent and let her do whatever. They just, they totally destroyed that movie. Um, she was, she, while, you know, she was not the reason that movie tanked. <laughs> that, but she wasn't enough to save it. That was my point. Okay, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, and uh, pleasant as she is on the eyes, um, sh- she's she doesn't have a great deal of range, uh, or maybe people just haven't given her the opportunity to have range. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, <clears throat> so the bad guys are at it again, sticking bad ads into good websites yeah i wanted to talk about this this is a um criminals apparently hijacked aol's advertising.com network uh this story came out january the 8th and it had kind of been resolved by then but this is one of those things to where you are going to a site and maybe that site is 100 percent secure it's locked down the latest passes super strong password nothing breaks on that site but because they're a member of the advertising.com AOL network, you go there and all of a sudden you're getting malware served to your machine because the ads, uh, the ad server has been hijacked. So it's one of those, you know, it's one of those things that happens. You need to be conscious in where you go and what you do and don't think, oh, this is a great website, you know, nobody's going to hack it, or, you know, I have antivirus, or, you know, I have a Mac, or whatever, I run Linux. It doesn't matter. You still need to be conscious about security, 
because there isn't just one door for them to come in and get you. There's lots of doors all over the place. The problem with this, in my less than humble opinion, is there's absolutely no excuse, no reason, no rhyme for allowing an end user customer to insert code into an ad on this on your service. So this is a this is a service that is selling ads, and one of the things they allow is the insertion of JavaScript code. No, that, yeah, this shouldn't should, that shouldn't be allowed at all. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you have something, that should be a, a feature that you pay for. Our guys will code it. Uh, the people who we employ on our ad network will 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 do the code for this, uh, and then it'll and then it'll be great. But uh, or or at least there'll be you'll know what's going on and there'll be somebody to blame right now the you it's they're shuffling the blame well we didn't do it x customer did it and we don't oversee what our customers put up well there's your problem right there you should never allow people to insert arbitrary code into somebody else's website i totally agree with that the problem with your um your fix is the amount of money it would cost. Think exactly. of the amount of people they would have to hire. Then all of a sudden those ads get ridiculously expensive. And then it becomes a competitive disadvantage. Uh, you're, yep. you're charging more because of what, uh, you require for security. I get it, but that doesn't mean that it's not the right thing to do. Yep. That's, I, I, no disagreement here. I can't disagree with your logic. I can only point out the fact that that costs money and ain't nobody going to pay it. <laughs> and no one's got time for that anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, what, how can I put it? It's, it's a uh, side effect of the, the ca- uh, uh, cost first mentality, but we see it everywhere. I mean, if security were important, things would cost more, plain and simple. Right. And, and people don't want to pay for stuff. I, I'm one of I am people. I don't want to pay for stuff. Given the choice between two mostly identical services, I will go with the cheapest one. Um, even if that means that I am less secure or that I haven't taken the time to see which is more secure, I'm just going to go with the cheaper one. So I mean, we're the problem, but the fact is, it's a problem. Yeah, and you know, we talked about this during our blunder show. It's the problem is. People are looking at the balance sheet for this quarter and not the long-term viability of the industry. You know, um, I think in history, if you looked at the concept of strip mining, let's go in and take all we can and who cares what it looks like when we're done. There's money to be made now. And unfortunately, that seems to be the mentality of large swaths of uh, business. I don't, I can't follow that up. Yep, so me neither. We'll just move it's on. It's hard to. Um, a, a new company uh, called Yoda Phone is trying to look uh, put phone case manufacturers out of business forever. They're trying. Well, I'm, you know, you talked about having a watch with both a, an LCD and an e-ink display. Yoda Phone, that's kind of what they're doing. The, the top is LCD. You flip it over, and it's e-ink. So e-ink, you know, it's not backlit. It doesn't use near the battery. Uh, granted, it is black and white, but everything's kind of grayscale. If you look at the, um, this is a, a finance.yahoo.com article. Uh, they show pictures of the phone. You see the full color photo, and then you also see the black and white photo. 
you know, you're looking at the same stuff and you can tell, but I just thought this was like a cool concept. Yeah. So the, the idea is if you're doing something where, um, uh, having a, a a backlight isn't important or contrast isn't if you're reading a book uh you get the awesomeness that is e-ink um flipped over and it's the same from at least from the pictures it's the same interface depending on which screen you look at so you can turn off the main screen with the with the led uh, or lcd display and uh turn on the e-ink display excellent for bright sunlight yeah, and and you get the power saving features of e-ink. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of a win-win. The the one bad thing is the phone isn't available in the United States. It's only available unlocked in Europe and some parts of Asia, and it's kind of expensive, like 700 bucks. Yeah. They plan well, to come to the US sometime this year, but the iPhone and the Nexus 7 are 700 bucks too. So, that's yeah. for a, for a flagship phone, that's not Sadly, uh, that's not a ridiculous price. Um, right. I, it's a it's a neat idea and one that I would like to experiment with for sure. Yeah, I, I think it would be cool because I, I don't like reading off of a computer screen. It just, you know, it seems to wear me out faster than like pa- reading off paper. Um, but I have read some on e-ink and I don't get that same tired eyes feeling. Yeah. So I think it would be, you know... I would be more apt to read if I were somewhere and with my phone. Um, like, I think it's cool. I wonder, if, I wonder if this will catch on and just become the thing that everybody does. Yeah. The, the problem as I see it is, uh, the protecting that, you know, everybody wants the big, um, what's the otter box cases. I, I mm-hmm. hate those myself, but, uh, uh, there's, you, you now have this $700, piece of equipment with a fragile surface on both sides and you need to see both of them um, right so you can't cover one of them I, I on my phone have a transparent case which would solve that problem except that it would add a, a level of glare um but it's it's just it's a it's going to create a new set of problems uh but it's you know the e-ink displays are much more durable if, if you've used a kindle those things can take a beating uh yeah. so you know maybe what? a case wouldn't be as big a deal here is one thing. You have a bumper that you can like take one side off and it fits on the other side. So you're like, you want to switch to e-ink, you take the back off and then you stick the back on what was the front. Yeah. And maybe that activates a sensor that automatically brings it to life. So there is a possible fix. Yeah, interesting. It's an interesting idea. I need to develop that case. So somebody do that. There's your million, million There's dollar your idea. <laughs> yeah. So somebody take that and just, you know, tip us, um, support us on Patreon or something with part of your income and we'll be happy. <laughs> so uh, Amazon um, is in the business of acquiring companies uh, and they bought this guy's company and apparently that made him mad. I don't know why. Well, um, here's yeah, a million I mean, dollars. You turd? Uh, I don't get it. <laughs> well, they kind of, uh, they kind of expanded into his business and kind of pushed out what he did so then they bought up the remnants of his company so what he's done is he has launched a company called jet and his 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 goal is you buy a membership to jet and they make zero margin on all the transactions 
So whereas Amazon is like, you know, we'll make a little bit per transaction. Jet's thing is going to be, we will make membership membership fees and then we'll sell everything else at cost. So, so it's Sam's Club online, essentially. Yep. Yeah, basically. So it'll be interesting to see how it works. Um, you know, is that going to be the model of the future? You know, will there be just different clubs you're a part of to get everything at, you know, wholesale or super secret wholesale price that they're still making money, but it's kind of under the table. And, uh, anyway, it was just an interesting story. I wonder how much their membership fees will be. What kind of product line will they have at launch? And will they have the volume to get the cheap enough prices to where it's cheaper to buy from there than it is from Amazon or, you know, walk down to the one of the Walmarts around. What's the name of the company? Jet. Jet. Okay. Yes. Well, the other thing, don't most of the big Costco, Sam's Club type places, they have websites already. So why, what, this doesn't really fill a niche or even touch a, a need other than trying to do something different. Well, you know, the, the, that was a bad analogy, Sam's Club, Costco, those things. Cause they're still, oftentimes they're wholesale prices. Sometimes they're even resale, uh, retail prices. Uh, they're, they're big hit, uh, uh, what's the word? Big, big draw is being able to get, buy mass quantities of something. If you want to buy right. 34 cases of toilet paper, you're going to do that at Sam's Club or Costco. Um, so that's why commercial entities and, and uh, places like that like them. But his idea is a membership fee and ultra-low prices, which, again, that's the Sam's Club model. But over time, at least in, in my limited experience, I, I had a Sam's Club membership like 10 years ago and found that it didn't save me any money um, <clears throat> because the prices were a little lower than what I could get anywhere else. Um, but I also had to pay a fee every year for it. Um, yeah. So that, that's a sidetrack, though. Yeah. Well, so you get basically a, you'll get a 90 day free trial and then it will be $50 a year. And they're claiming it's going to be 10 to 15 percent lower than anywhere else online. So mm. if that's the case, $50 a year, that's a big deal. But if it's not, then, you know. Whereas you take something like Amazon, if you're Amazon Prime, you get the books and you get a lot of video as well for that. What is, what is, what are they going to do here to kind of give you more bang for your buck? Yeah. It would, it's going to have to be something very large to, uh, you know, to break away from Amazon, you know, cause like I've been a Prime member now for, I don't even know how many years. Uh, and it's to the point now where I don't, Buy uh, most of the stuff that we buy that isn't you know stuff that you have to have hands on with before you can buy it. It's all bought through Amazon. Yeah. So I don't know. I, uh, I I wonder how it'll work out. So he Something he would to have watch. to have the 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 thing that Amazon you know he's he's directly going against Amazon right. What Amazon has is the vast a uh, variety of stuff you can get anything. It is the everything store. Um, mm -hmm. and then they have, they've built out these distribution centers regionally so that you can get almost anything in a couple of days. Um, and so he's going to have to, if he's competing with that, his prices will have to be significantly lower, um, to, to be, a, and better shipping. Yeah. And better shipping. He's going to have to find a way to get a better shipping deal than what Amazon has. 
because that's the other market that Amazon wins in is that, you know, if you're not even just a prime member can get two day shipping if you're buying enough. Right. But the prime membership gives you, you know, two day shipping guaranteed and, you know, $3 overnight if it's small enough. Being a Prime member is like having one of those bracelets at Disneyland that lets you jump lines. You exactly. just walk up and say, uh, I'm one of the cool kids, and they let you in. Uh, <laughs> Prime is just, it's it's like an elite club. You, you pay 100 bucks a year, um, which is totally worth every penny of it. Uh, and then you just, you essentially sell your soul to Amazon for 100 bucks a year, um, and, and, and you... They own you from then on because, and you thank them for it. Thank you, Master. <laughs> May I have another? Um, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, but so, at the same token, if it were ten percent cheaper, I wouldn't mind if it took me an extra day to get it. Okay, I, I agree with that. I would have a hard until time with you've 10%. had the, the prime experience and everything yeah. comes within two days. You just come to expect it again. It's a it's an entitled rich white person's perspective. Uh, what you mean it's going to take three days oh screw that <laughs> forget well, it well yeah it, even for 10 percent, three days for 10 percent wouldn't be enough to get most people to change over <laughs> i i need my case of toilet paper today uh, i need i don't i don't need to wait three days that's ridiculous and amazon is again they're trying to to you know, the whole drone thing and the local centers they want to they're looking at same day that because they understand how greedy and ridiculous the American buying public is, and and so you know these guys, it's, it's a it's a it's a long road to hoe for them, but uh, more power to them. Well, and it it, it handles that impulse buy because if you can buy it instantly, yeah, you know why why wait or why even leave your house? They're they're breeding goraphobes, I guess. <laughs> And none of this may matter soon uh, because the internet is is has been hacked. Um, a group of hackers attacked ISC, uh, the Internet Systems Consortium, which makes Bind, which makes the internet run. Yeah, and apparently, um, that they in this story came out uh, uh, the twenty eighth, so December twenty eighth. This is kind of an older story. Um, everything's back now. The internet's back. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, for a while they took down their site for maintenance because they believe we may have been infected with malware. So, you know, if you go pollute the source, anything that comes from the source could be polluted. And since everything comes from the source, everything could be polluted. So it just thought I'd throw that out there and we could talk about it. So yeah. So the, the story of the hack, fortunately, isn't a big deal. The story of the crumbling dangerously uh vulnerable infrastructure of the internet is um you know and we've talked about this before these things were built in a time when security was not only an afterthought it was not a thought um right and so 70 plus percent probably closer to 90 plus uh percent of the world run bind on their systems they're updated automatically um and so if somebody got in and polluted uh, the code that people were running or polluted the the root database. The thing is every, let me, let me back up for, for people who didn't spend 15 years uh, configuring firewalls like I did. Um, <laughs> th- there are no words on the internet. They're numbers, right? So when you go to www.disney.com, that's really a set of numbers. 175.93.17.12. I don't know what that is. I just made those up. 
Um, but because people are bad at numbers, we have the domain name system, DNS. So I can take a name, Disney.com, and re- uh, relate it to a number. Your computer never, ever goes to Disney.com. It always goes to a number. If you watch, like in Firefox, for example, in the bottom left corner, it always tells you. It'll tell you what that is. It flashes for a second. Um, and the way the system is built, there's a single root server. It's not really a server. It's a system of servers uh, owned here in the U.S. because we invented the technology, and that's just kind of how it grew out. And everything asks root for an address. So if you set up your own server for your own domain, Bob's Knives and Stuff, and you want to to, to set up, set that up, you may have you set up your own domain, and the system pushes that out and up to the root. So when I want to find Bob's Knives and Stuff, I go ask the root servers, who says, oh, well, that's a .com. Let me send you the .com servers. Oh, well, that's bobsknives.com. Let me send you over there. But it all starts at the root. That's where these guys hacked. Meaning, right. theoretically, they could make any web browser go to any server, and you'd never know the difference. Yeah, well, you kind of left out a step, Mark. They don't ask the root. They ask their gateway, which asks its right. gateway, which asks its gateway. So depending on how long the root is hacked, that information then gets propagated throughout the system. And then once the root gets fixed, then that fix has to propagate throughout the right. system. And it, it takes uh, 72 hours is what people say. Uh, when you make a change, they say wait 72 hours. Most of the time, it's much faster than that. Most of the time, it's within an hour. But a change to, the, to DNS can propagate to the global internet in, in three days. Which means yeah. a poisoned uh, attack could could disseminate to the global internet in three days. In three days, yeah. But at least we know it, that a three day thing would would only take you know how long to fix then three days. Assuming yeah, once they get right on it, yeah. Um, the, once the, it's fixed, yeah. But almost anything caches DNS because once you've asked. Uh, my uh, ISP, uh, AT&T, once you've asked them where Disney.com is, they don't need to check it every day. Um, right. They, they've got it. you know, And so that's why the 72 hours is they, they cash those things out because the root doesn't want to be asked a billion times a day for Disney.com. So those things are all the progressive back-offs and, and, and fancy algorithms and people smarter than I am doing math I can't understand uh, made all that happen. But the point is this was an attack at the root it's like poisoning right. um a, a town by pouring cyanide in the mountain stream everybody downstream gets poisoned uh and so that's fortunately this was a non-issue but it's going to keep happening it's not a question of if it's yeah. a question of how often and when is the big one going to happen yeah, and, and do you know, we have and, things in place for it to be re- remediated once it's been detected? And how long does it take to get it detected? Mm-hmm. You were going to say, Seth? I was going to say, you know, and and again, just to reiterate what you said, when this stuff was invented, it was like, can we do that? Well, you know, if you're just trying to see if you can do something, you're not like building stuff securely. You're like. What happens if I reach out my hand as far as I can go in the dark? You know, you don't want to be standing six feet behind the line and seven layers of protective gear that you can't feel if you hit anything or not. Some point you've just got to stick your hand out there and, you know, and it's like, Hey, I found something to pull it back. And then 
oh, that works. That's great. We can, you know, talk to people. And then you start talking and nobody ever thinks, um, maybe we should secure this before we announce it. No, it's out there. And then somebody goes, what happens if I do this? Oh my God, I own the world. <laughs> and then, you know, so, uh, and, and that's what we're finding out. People are starting to do, what happens if I do this? And the answer is, holy crap. So we're trying to fix the holy craps of the world. Yes. And they're, they're happening at an accelerated rate. Uh, it's, yep. you know, uh, a million because, hackers. Yeah. There's money to be made in breaking it. And the people who fix it are kind of doing it on the side while they work their full time job during the day. Yeah, there is point. no, there is so little money being applied to fix and secure that the money to break and hack and override and put in back doors undetected. There's so much money flowing into that. It's, it's kind of really amazing that not everybody's not infected by crypto lockers demanding billions of dollars right. a day. You yeah. Know, so what happens really- if I infect the root for just 72 hours to, to direct everybody to a crypto locker infection? Wow. <laughs> that is, that is just disgustingly frightening. It's just, dis- yeah. yeah. Or you, you direct all of the bank servers to your, you know, you, you perform a man in the middle of the attack, you sign the certificates and then you've got everybody's information. And then you sit on that information for six months, you know, or however long. And then all of a sudden, boom, everybody's bank account is down to zero and the they don't know what is happened. in fact falling. Well, eventually yeah. one of these days yeah. when, when the world blows up. Maybe it already fell and it just hasn't hit us yet. That's the <laughs> there you go. That's probably what it is. Yeah, if, if you want conspiracy theory, I'll lay that one out there. <laughs> um, so we talked. We did a story a little while back about Mozilla <clears throat> changing uh, their search engine from Google to Yahoo, um, and we said at the time, you know, what impact is this going to have? Well, turns out it actually stung a little bit. Yeah, first of all, I've just got to share some personal experience with this. Yahoo needs to up their game or something because it is so crappy. I was searching for, you know, the movie American Sniper. I I put in American Sniper Dallas, Texas movie, you know, or some variation of that because I was looking to see if there were showtimes in Dallas. And the top result was a link to a movie theater in Houston, Texas. So... I t- I copied and pasted into Google.com and up pops the showtime of the theater and the times. So I'm like, you know, okay, granted, I understand you don't have to put the showtimes there, but you could at least link to a theater in Dallas that is playing the movie. <laughs> and I don't have to scroll down to the bottom of the page to find it. So Yahoo, you better up your game or, you know, you're killing Mozilla. Mozilla died. They committed it. But anyway, so yes, apparently Google's, um, website or percentage of web search is plummeting like a rock down from 79% to 75%. It's lowest level since 2008. 4% is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. yeah but you know, lot. I was trying to hype it up there. Plummeting like a rock, Mark. Come on. <laughs> Google market share plummets in, in the wake of, of, of fallout with the Mozilla Foundation. Um, yeah. And so they're asking the, the context of this article is, 
what's going to happen to Google if Apple just totally ditches them from iOS? You know, um, obviously it would hurt their market share. And if their market share falls, then the amount of money they make from search is going to fall. Um, because, well, we only get half the searches in America, so we can't quite charge you the fees we were charging or the ads aren't going to be seen as much. Either way, they aren't going to get as much money. So then all of the money they're funneling back into open source and all the projects they're working on, it's going to start to fall off. And it would it would affect, you know, not just Google, but it would affect the Internet as a whole. Well, I think the folks at Google understand that uh, Internet searching is not a long-term business for them. And that's why they're branching out into all these other things and right. trying to figure out the next way they're going to make money. Yeah. Because uh, for everything that they've done, something. the only thing that makes any money is search. Um, and it's doing well for them. They're a multi-billion dollar company. But th- they understand that uh, it's, it's, um, its days are numbered. Yeah, definitely. I just, but yeah, you know, your cash cow, you want it to be your cash cow for as long as you can, and you don't want to make steak out of it while it's still making you cash. And, uh, but yeah, so it was just a story, you know, um, obviously the Mozilla or Mozilla dumping them. And of course you can't say, you know, you can correlate this, but you can't say it caused it because their share had been kind of ticking a little bit lower as Bing has improved their game and given them some real competition. But, um, yeah, it's, it is down and it's down noticeably. So, you know, that's more than just a blip. We'll see if it was just a one time statistical anomaly or what happens in the next couple of months. I still can't get behind Bing. I, 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 I periodically I try it, but, uh, I just, I can't get behind it. They make better commercials than they do searches. That's for sure. No <laughs> sleeps. Those were some great. I mean, I got to hand it to Microsoft. Those were some of the best commercials ever. Uh, you know, the Spanish soap opera thing and all that kind of stuff. Those yeah. were, those were interesting commercials that, you know, I tried being a little bit to see how it worked and, you know, not enough to make me use it, but you know, they got, they made me try it. It, it gave them a chance to impress me. Um, all right, moving on. Um, we talked a little bit before about Nokia jumping out of the phone business, uh, actually sold, sold their phone business to Microsoft, and jumping into the tablet business. Their first tablet, creatively named the N1, sold out in four minutes. Yes, a whopping 20,000 units. Um, it went on sale in China, and yeah, it sold out super fast, so it's probably one of those things where, you know, they only sell limited numbers because that way they're not back order forever. But it also, you know, p- creates that buzz of I wanted one but couldn't get it kind of thing. But no, it's decent specs. Um, it's running Android Olipop. Yeah, it uses Very the good. Type-C USB power connector. So the thing that the one that's reversible. Um, and um, it some specs. I was looking for it here. It actually... Hardware wise was able to kind of beat the iPad mini, um, in terms of it's just basic general hardware power. Um, and again, I don't know if that just happened to be, Oh, let's sell it now, but, uh, it's a Chinese benchmark and it perfect, it pegged the performance of the N1 ahead of the iPad mini three, which costs a little bit more. It's selling at $257 US, um, only in China. 
but 20,000 people bought them in four minutes, 500,000 more uh, pre-ordered. So the, there's a pent-up demand in China for uh, solid, inexpensive Android tablets. Sounds like it. It's a and Nokia yeah. makes good hardware. Nokia yeah. has been known for hardware forever. Um, you know, this is not th- this is not unusual for them to make a solid product, but that solid product has been phones for many years, and now no more. Right. And- least, uh, I mean, their CEO recently in a in a um, press release said that we're not even we're not even considering going back to handsets. Well, and that's that's my point. I was just going to bring up. You know, they did such a great job making handsets. They already know all the hoops and tricks and everything else. Now that they can turn them, turn that market thought or market prowess to tablets, they might, you know, knock. It might be another knock to uh, take desktops out of people's lives. Yeah, I don't know. I I am still not convinced that we're ready for a desktopless world. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Um, I think we're close. I I would agree. I would say we're to the point where your desktop is not the primary. I still think you need it, but for most people, most people don't need it, but society as a whole still needs it. It's not yet a niche market that only, you know, a couple of people need, uh, but the mainstream could get by without a desktop, I think. But not society as a whole. There's still too much work that you need a desktop interface for. That would be my current stance of the whole desktop versus um, mobile debate. Hmm. Yeah. Don't know if it's right or not, but okay, I, I'm not that guy, right? Uh, I'm I'm the guy who is a power user, even if he doesn't need it. Uh, right. So you know, I'm not that guy. But my wife doesn't use a laptop uh, very rarely. She right. uses her phone all the time. Um, My aunt is that way. She uses her. She's an i an iPad user. Um, the only thing she ever loads up her laptop, or the only thing she was loading up her laptop was for invoicing. And now that she found an invoicing thing that has an app, as well as an online you know function, she says, "I don't know if I'll even turn my laptop on anymore now." But but I I think there's a direct correlation between those who create on the computer and those who need a computer. Right. If you consume a tablet and a laptop or, or a, a phone is fine. My wife rarely creates, but she was creating a, a spreadsheet just this weekend and had to go to the computer to do it because you just there isn't a good interface on a tablet for that right now. Yeah, I need in order for me to do this show, I need a laptop slash desktop. I, I can't do it on just a tablet. True. You know, I mean, you could argue that my little T100 is a tablet, but if I were going to use that, I would have to have the keyboard dock attached to it and probably a second monitor because of how small the screen is. So that's, you, you could argue that that's a tablet, but it's a, it's a desktop environment in how it would be being used. So, but yes, that goes to your point that we are creating something and right. not just consuming. Um, don't have a good transla- transition to this, but uh, Apple, uh, we hate him, or Seth hates him, and now he gets to rub his their nose in <laughs> You know, I just wanted to talk about this because uh, the term in the article, uh, boot kit malware, this guy was able to um, figure out, and you know, his boss said, hey, we're considering using MacBooks 
um, see if you can, um, see if you can figure out like if we're protected from root kits. So he took one apart, found the chip and he was able to, um, write some malicious code to the ROM that would stay even if you like formatted your hard drive or swapped out your hard drive. And because it happens on boot, really any method to detect it, um, there currently isn't one. And so the only way to get rid of it would be to open up your MacBook and swap out that ROM. Um, you know, and anything that was going to check to see if there were uh, booting into a rootkit would first have to be kicked off by that. So it would be able to nullify or send a false negative to it. Um, again, you know, I'm not doing this just to bash Apple, say, ha ha, Apple, you're not as invulnerable as you think you are. It's the process of, you know, this guy says all you have to do is reprogram the ROM. Well, now that you know you can do it, it can be done by using a third. If you bought a third party power supply to plug in, it could have something to overwrite that ROM for you. Um, the only partial fix now is rolling out a firmware update of your own, which would stop the ROM from being overwritten. But that is not something that most people would be able to do on their yeah. own. Um, so again, it's just, it's bootware. Um, be careful, you know, what you plug into your system. And if you lose control of the system, it's not secure. My my favorite quote in this article is uh, he works for a hedge fund. They were looking at looking into app to, uh, laptops, and quote his first step was dismantling one of the laptops to get access to the boot ROM. Naturally, I mean that's the first thing I would think about if my boss asked me to consider using MacBooks. <laughs> that's just not well. Wow. <laughs> I could see dismantling it to see all the bits and pieces and how they all play, but I don't know if I, that'd be okay. my first step. Okay, but the quote above that, we were no, considering... I, no, no, I, I intentionally no. didn't do that one because it makes yeah. it funnier. No, go Yeah, ahead. no, I mean, but it, it makes it funny, but like I say... He was asked by as, his boss to reverse engineer it because uh, they're concerned. They're a hedge fund. Billions go through it, and they really want to know that it's secure at the hardware. So, yes, I, I, I carefully chose not to do that because it's funnier. Thank you for ruining it, Seth. Well, but you know... <laughs> I love to bash Apple, but this wasn't a bash Apple thing. This was a bootware. Uh, I just love the, the, the phrase bootware. Um, I had never heard of it. You know, I heard of rootkits and I guess technically rootkits are bootware, um, has a form of malware, but it was just kind of interesting. Um, so again, if you can do this on an Apple, you can do this on any PC clone as well. Um, you know, you could do this on any mobile phone. I'm sure. Well, I don't know if you could or couldn't, but I, you couldn't discount this on any other hardware platform or hardware manufacturer because they're all made in the same factories right. over in China, whether they're Apple, IBM, Asus, um, Nokia, whatever. China makes all the chips anyway. Right. Good old American made laptop, uh, using Chinese parts. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to skip down, Seth, to this one because it's cool and it's topical. Um, <clears throat> uh, one of the things released at CES, shown off at CD, CES this week, was a wireless charging 
system. Now, we've talked uh, recently about the T-Charger, which uh, is basically it's just an induction coil that converts electricity into a, a, a magnetic field. And then there's another chip in the device that converts the magnetic field back to um, uh, electrical energy. Well, this thing does it at up to 15 feet away. Cool. Wow. And yes. better yet, it's running Linux. Yes, it runs an embedded Linux OS. It's called What Up W A T T U P. Um, it uses what a wi- What Up Whoop Whoop. Um, it uses a Wi-Fi like beam forming technology. Um, it can kind of scan and locate, and it can charge multiple devices at the same time. You could be using your device and just go like sit down in the chair next to this while you're watching T or while you're watching Netflix on your device and let it charge it while you're playing it. So it can charge multiple devices at once and um it can You charge can also them. sit next to it with a raw steak and it'll cook it. And uh, if you're just out of the shower it will dry you. <laughs> yes. And if you sit too close you might hear funny voices in your head <laughs> unless you're wearing some tinfoil hats. Um but no, it was just kind of neat that you know it's like you don't have to plug something in. You don't have to set it on top of. You just have to be within 15 feet. So whenever it goes from uh, B technology to the G version, that 15 feet is going to double to 150 feet. And it, well, not double, but it will increase. Uh, so yeah. it's just kind of cool. Um, it's, that, that would be an order of magnitude. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, th- this is something that uh, I forget what university, maybe Carnegie Mellon. Uh, in the 90s called it Y-tricity. And their ambitious plan was to put satellites in space that vibrate the air at a frequency that would power stuff. Um, yeah, that would be cool, and too. Of course, you know, th- that was a long way away from being, it was just their idea. And this is, I don't know if it's the same technology, but it's, it's definitely a leapfrog off of that. So uh, it will not be long in the future, I think. I think in, the, in my children's lifetime that batteries and power sources will be a non-issue. We won't have power lines running to uh, our houses anymore. We won't have meters uh, there. Energy will just be all around us all the time, powered by the sun and transmitted to the planet. That would be very cool. Wow. you Are, are you quoting <laughs> Tesla on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, he was talking about wireless power and wireless yeah, charging yeah. as well. And again, that's a freaking hundred years ago. So we have yet to catch up to him. Because of course, we, he did it in the form of creating lightning is the yeah. way he called it. And, um, and like burned down a building. Uh, so little, little <laughs> different technology. Well, but again, you know, the controlled he, now. It's, it's so hard for us to talk about the future because we don't know what it will look like. So we try right. to talk about it in terms of today's technology. Uh, and so he was trying to talk about our technology in terms of the technology he had, and it failed miserably. So, you know, right. it's kind of like, uh, you know, somebody from the 60s making a show set in the 24th century, and all of the technology looked like cheap Radio Shack components. Uh, <laughs> Working. You know? Yes. Working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, as the computers <laughs> walk by. Um, yeah, so I think I'm excited about this. Yes, there are, uh, potential hazards to it, but one, one thing, you know, the, the tinfoil hat guys, uh, this uses the, the, uh, 2.5, I think it said gigahertz, uh, radio frequency, um, which is all around us anyway. Um, 
the universe creates radio waves. Just like the ocean waves are created in the water, the the air around us, the atoms around us are vibrating all the time anyway. We're not when we fire up a cell phone, we're not creating anything that didn't already exist. We're we're choosing to create a wave of that frequency for our bidding. But the waves of that frequency already existed, and they were already all around us. Right. So back off a little bit. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I was going to say, from the thing, you know, like, if you are within zero to five feet, this thing could charge up to four devices at four watts. So basically the same rate has a power outlet. But if you move from 10 to 15 feet away, it can charge one watt delivered simultaneously up to four devices basically one to two percent per minute so if you're going to stand 10 to 15 feet away it could take an hour and a half or so to bring a dead machine fully up to 100 percent. and this is gen one technology so gen five technology there won't be a battery you will be drawing the power directly from these devices which would be Um, really cool because my little my little fit thing would be awesome then because i would have to charge it all the time Right. The, the, <laughs> the watch that you just were saying was, what, 22 hours would be forever. Right. I, I can't. Alessandro, I believe it was, Volta, cre- discovered that when you put two different metals together, uh, a charge flows between them. And we haven't made anything better since then. In the late 1800s, he figured out if you slap two different metals together, you can get a charge out of it. And that's what everything that we do today is still based on sticking two different metals together. Um, we are we are in the Stone Age. We are pre Stone Age in terms of power, uh, and it's about time we we you know at least moved into the Bronze Age. Yeah. Although I personally believe there will always be the U.S. Americans. <laughs> yes, I personally believe. Uh, but no, there will. I think there will always be some type of battery, but it just won't be a battery designed to last for hours. It'll be a battery designed to last for 30 minutes because yeah. when you drive through to, the Holland Tunnel, you'll need yeah. a battery. Yeah, but it, it won't be can last two years. You know, it's right. like, hey, you know, th- this will get you because the charger on your car went out and that part hasn't come in yet. So your drive from your house to your work, you can have some power. Um, but yeah, there were, I think there'll always be a battery um, or it will be one of those pay an extra 10 bucks to get the model with the battery because you will all, you will need some type of transition thing. But again, that's more of a futurist debate coming up next week on futurist weekly. <laughs> so Seth, if I wanted to, to hack this device running Linux, but I just didn't have the skills about Linux. Do you know where I could go to, to learn about Linux? You know, Mark, it's funny you should ask me that because I happen to be a member and you know, this is good because I don't pay for anything. Uh, the linuxacademy.com. It is a place that could turn you, give you the tools necessary to develop hacking skills on your own. And the reason hacking skills are important is so you'll know how to fix the stuff that gets broken, but they offer step by step video courses that if you know how to watch YouTube, you know what it takes to get started. Um, videos to watch that will take you step by step of how to command line in to servers and not just install, but configure them. And you know, they're broke. How do I fix them? You gives you space on Amazon cloud. You can have up to four different servers running. 
they have different distributions. You can give them public host names and IP so you can reach them. Uh, there's PDF study guides for the lessons they have. They are time coded to the videos. There's over 200 videos. There's a lesson browser. You, if you want to learn just the basic intro course, it says, take this one, take this one, take this one, take this one. And you can kind of link that to your LinkedIn profile or Facebook or Twitter or whatever. So if you are wanting to get in the professional field, you can have it automatically cross post and on your LinkedIn account that says Seth Anderson has finished intro to Linux, not just Linux, but Seth Anderson has passed the Amazon cloud services thing. Um, they are accredited, um, not, in a technical government thing, but CompTIA, um, LISP, places that get you Linux certification, looked at their stuff and go, hey, this is good. Um, I think it will work. People, everyone at this point who has taken, gone through the process and taken the test has passed it. Um, they have learning plans that are set up. They have uh wait wait so, so wait a minute learning plan tell me about this what is a learning plan okay well say you know you're like wow I would love to go through this but I kind of need some help so you say I've got 45 minutes on Tuesdays and Thursdays so this kind of tells you hey for this Tuesday you have 45 minutes you should be you should finish this much watch this video take this practice quiz but and I'm then, terribly forgetful Seth I will never remember what this thing sets for me if it's going to give me a syllabus and and print it out. I'm never going to remember to do that. Is there is there any way that I can, you know, uh, help myself remember what I need to do on a day? You know, Anthony probably was thinking of you when he gave it the ability to send you an email reminder of when you have items due. And again, it, it doesn't just it doesn't just at midnight say, hey, everything's due tomorrow. You put in the plan. I have this much time a week. And then it generates the emails for you on when stuff is due to kind of you're giving yourself that push in advance to get in and get studying. And that sounds really cool, but I'm just I can't learn by watching YouTube videos and, and, and looking at stuff online. It's it's not going to help me very much. I need to do it, it, Where can I go to to? I mean, Linux Academy sounds great, but is there some other place that you know of where I can go to to actually learn to do this stuff uh, in a practical way? Well, with your membership to Linux Academy, you part of that includes space on the Amazon cloud where you are configuring actual Linux servers. And again, Wait, you it, mean I, I can get all this from the one place? I don't have to go somewhere else? I don't have to get study one place and practice somewhere else? No, I mean, of course, if you have a spare box lying around, you can get a torrent and break it yourself and, you know, reinstall it every time you mess up or you are correct. You don't have to go every any place else. It is all right there for you. Through your Linux Academy interface, you are launching the web server of your choice. You know, you can, if you're like, I just want to use CentOS, you know, or I just want to use Debian, or you can kind of bring them both up and see how you do the same thing in different OSs, um, whatever works best for you. Now, Seth, though. Well, it's got to be incredibly expensive Well, for it, all of that. It might be expensive, but it also, are, are they just showing you the gooey way to do things? Because, you know, that's not my thing. I want to know the, re the, the easier way to do things. The easier way is the gooey way, Chris. <laughs> only, um, only people who are like kind of, um, they have that 
machinistic personality um, that like to hurt themselves. No, you can learn the command line way to do it. Uh, it's very similar to Windows in that there are multiple ways to do things. Um, they teach you all the different ways that are necessary to do it. Um, command line, GUI, whatever works best. And if you want to, here's here's where they really sock it to you. If you want to buy a month, it costs you a whopping $25. So if you wanted to go month to month for an entire year, it would cost you $300 cheaper than one class you would take at a college. But if you want to buy a quarter at a time, it comes at $60, which is only $20 a month. If you want to buy a year up front, $199 annually. Um, what I personally would recommend, you know, maybe you want to do Linux, but then you do it and you're like, no, I don't want to do Linux. Buy a month. One month, $25. Basically, you eat ramen one night instead of pizza, um, and that pays for it. Um, you'll find you like it. You'll find they do a great job of teaching. Even if you don't understand something, watch the video over. It's not one three-hour video. It's a lot of short videos, so you can rewatch just what you need. Um, when you sign up, Everyday Linux, use that has the code to let them know we sent you. That sounds amazing. All of that learning all of that practice for the cost of a pizza a month? Wow. Yeah. Where do I sign up? And wh- where was this again? What's the website? Everydaylinux.com. Oh, awesome. Thanks, Seth. That is Wait, that's no, an amazing I'm bit sorry. of information. <laughs> LinuxAcademy.com. <laughs> it's funny. I didn't even notice. That's not even our URL. Everydaylinux.com. <laughs> linuxacademy.com and when you go there use the referral code everyday linux to let them know that we sent you there thanks seth for doing the ad that was great um yeah thanks now- for screening on me last minute too i like that <laughs> well you know so uh, next week chris will do it uh moving on to our back to our news twitter twitter still hasn't figured out how to make money it's got a billion users but Ain't making no money. So maybe they're thinking, uh, we'll put ads places other than Twitter. Yes. So Twitter has their ad network. They're trying to sell ads on and basically they're just giving up, you know, all pretense of Twitter's anything other than they're trying to make money off of it. They're going to just start inserting videos into people's timelines. I'm one of their users. I have an account, but I haven't logged into it in probably close to a year now just because. Ugh. Yeah, I gave up on Twitter. I really did. Uh, <laughs> once they killed all of my favorite um, apps, I had no reason to use it again. I still use um, it. Okay, great. You're the one. Yeah. No, this is, Twitter is huge. It's just not for us old fogies. Um, <clears throat> I yeah, use. Go ahead. <clears throat> I use Facebook for family and Google Plus for professional. Um, and and Twitter's just not in my repertoire anymore. It used to be. But it's just not anymore. And and the problem is they've, they've tried all sorts of different ways to make money. They've tried um, uh, suggested tweets. They've tried promoted tweets. They've tried sticking ads into timelines. Uh, <clears throat> and now they're just going to flat sell the network in the same way that uh, Facebook ads do, uh, in the same way that Google ads do. They will stick your ads in their timeline or on other people's websites. So, it will just be a way to monetize. Um, you can buy the Goo- the Twitter ad service um, on your website the same way you can buy the Google ad service. Uh, fine, but has absolutely nothing to do with Twitter. Right. Yeah, well, you know, and I, I was following these people on Twitter, and then this one guy, he, like, 
he posted a blog, 140 characters at a time for like two whole pages, just wow, 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 wow. And I was like, really? Unfollow. Uh, cause that, you know, I mean, that's not what Twitter is. And so I'm sure the people who use it now know what it is, but basically it's a bunch of bots. Um, you know, they, they should change it from yeah. Twitter to bot.com just yeah. for truth in advertising. It's horrible to say that, but yeah, they, I mean, I still use it occasionally because I still watch all the, the, the antivirus sites and stuff like that. They keep their Twitter fairly clean. And so it's nice to get news that way. But other than that, you know, if, if I start seeing garbage from people, I just kick them off my feed. So I might be coming off of Twitter from the looks of it. It's funny. I, I looked the other day. My last tweet was a, a, a year ago. And my tweet was thunderstorms in January or no tornado sirens in January. That's new. So if you only knew about me from Twitter, you'd think I died in that tornado. Yeah. Because my last post was about tornado sirens and I haven't tweeted since. Um, maybe I should post something else that says I didn't die in the tornado, by the way. <laughs> or just say, uh, instead of deactivating your account, just so now over on Google plus. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just not the social media guy. I don't post a lot. Um, yeah, you know, wow. I, I, I looked up my last, sorry, I looked up my last tweet. Uh, this is from September of 2013. My account was hacked. Do not click on the direct message that went out from me. If you did, I suggest you change your password now. So <laughs> September of 2013 was my last. And then last you fell tweet. off the internet. <laughs> nice. Yes. Uh, Okay, moving on to other security breaches, because that's what we were talking about. Um, GoGo in-flight wireless um, was just dumb. And I can't imagine why they did this. Uh, so they they set up a proxy, not unusual for a service to do this, um, and they started handing out um, their own certificates. Again, not unusual, but they totally faked YouTube certificates. What the yeah. heck? And the, how this came to light was, um, Adrian Porter felt an engineer from Google's Chrome browser security team happened to have flown on the plane. And so she posted the screenshot, um, for her google.com certificate. And again, the, you know, I understand that, you know, proxies do this and why they do it. The reason this is important is because the owner of that certificate that you passed through can read your username and password. Now, that's not to say they are reading it, but simply that they can read it. And every major browser now would warn you when you were about to accept the certificate. You know, and of course, most people don't read the warnings. The warnings could say, if you read this, I will take control of your bank account and take all of your money and you have no one to blame but yourself, you freaking idiot. Click OK to accept this. And people would just click OK because they yeah. don't read it. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is it's there and our lack of attention is, you know, nobody's fault but our own. So if you're logging on to the in-flight Wi-Fi, what are you going to do? You're going to check your email. Yep. You're going to... Uh, um, maybe your bank. Maybe, maybe your yeah, bank. Maybe go to the bank. Uh, you're going to maybe post on... Uh, you're going to watch some YouTube. Maybe post on Google+. Plus. Uh, maybe write a Google Doc that you're working on um, in the air uh, for a business thing. The, the certificate that they publish, the fake one, 
star.google.com, which means they now own everything you send to a Google address. And and they're faking it. They're not saying, uh, okay, proxies, like I said, routinely do, routine, routinely do this. Content filters do this. But they don't lie and say that they're Google. The, the, the certificate would say that it's, um, you know, whatever proxy service.com on the Google site. These people flat lied and said this was Google's, uh, uh, site in Mountain View, California. Um, well, they're in the and air and then faked it. <laughs> this is what like the country of Iran does so that everything passing out of their country to Google has to go through them and they get that information. Right. So, so when, if you're, if you're encrypted, if you're an SSL site, a proxy can't see it. Um, most proxies, uh, like school, uh, proxies, the, the thing I know well, corporate proxies will actually block SSL. So when I try to go to Gmail at my office, um, it breaks the SSL connection because the, uh, like not if it's on my phone or whatever, um, uh, it will drop me out of SSL. On my desktop, they have installed their own certificate. So it says google.com signed by Bob at my company. Um, and, and that's, you know that they they can do that. They own the hardware. They own the network. I've I've defended their right to do that many times. GoGo in-flight wireless doesn't own the hardware. They don't have the right to do that. And so that what they're doing is instead of installing it on my machine, they're they're proxying it in there. They're illegally. Well, I don't know about illegally. Incorrectly signing immorally? the certificate immorally and grabbing all of my encrypted data. See, they're a man in the middle at that point. Yep. I still have an inte- encrypted connection with Google, and I have an encrypted connect- encrypted connection with GoGo, and they read both. So my certificate encrypts everything, sends it to GoGo. They decrypt it, re-encrypt it to send it to Google. What are they doing in the meantime? Maybe it's just spam filters, but we don't know. And so this was an incredible breach of, of privacy, uh, uh, just a terrible thing to do, and just brain-dead dumb. Uh, do I think they're evil? No. Do I think they're stupid? Yes. Well, and immoral, because I personally think that's a little bit of an immoral judgment there to just willy-nilly hijack people's connections. I, I don't think that's right. I mean, they're not really hijacking your connection. They're saying um, you're getting on the Internet through us. If you want to get through us, this is the deal. So it's one of those, if they were upfront about it, I, again, I don't know if it's immoral. I I believe it's stupid. Um, the 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 smarter thing to do is just disallow encrypted connections, so that I know, as a savvy tech user, wait, I don't have an encrypted connection here. I'm go- not going to do anything that I shouldn't do. Right, right. Um, like uh, again, the, the username and password thing. But at that point, it's not just the username and password; it's the full content of everything I do. Um, and if I have a Google Doc that is, you know, corporate information stored in my uh, Google Apps account that my corporation pays for, uh, they now own that and can read it and can send stuff and and can impersonate me. Uh, and you know, I, 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 again, I want to say I don't think that's what's happening. I think this was just a tech taking a shortcut, but. I would never use, I'm not going to do it anyway because it's too expensive. I'm too much of a tightwad to use it. But at this point, I would never use GoGo in-flight for anything because 
you can't trust people who are that stupid. Yeah, and most people, <laughs> a lot of people ha- are automatically signed into the sites they visit anyway. So for exactly. them, it's you're not consciously entering your password when you go to check your Yahoo email. You're just going to Yahoo, and that information's been cached. So you're doing it, and that's getting retransmitted. So they're seeing it. You same thing with your Gmail. You're checking your bank balance. Oh, do I have enough money to do this? Um, oh, I, I've, I've got to make sure my bill. I forgot to pay my bill at the hotel. It's due before this flight lands. I have to do it now. Boom. There's your bank account. There's your credit card. So again, that's not saying that they're maliciously attempting to do that, but everything you do is being stored somewhere. So. What happened? And we don't when, know that they had a Bank of America security certificate. And we don't right. know that they had a, you know, a, a Visa security certificate. But if they had a Google one, there's no reason to think that they didn't have the others too. Yeah. Exactly. And what happens when they get hacked two months from now and right. somebody gets all their customer information? So now malicious hackers have got your stuff and you were never hacked, but you accessed all your sites through this company. Um, who impersonated all the secure sites you went to and all the information, it was just logged somewhere because that's right. what computers do. They log stuff and you know, hard storage is cheap. So let's cash every, every bit that goes across our network. And then they got hacked because if this is the kind of shortcut they're taking here, what kind of shortcuts are they taking on securing their own perimeter? And the next thing you know, your stuff got out and the only thing you did is you forgot all of your website information was cached on your laptop. Yep. And and last story of the night, staying with the security theme, uh, China promises to crack down on uh, pirated software. Do I think they'll do it? I don't know. But it's a big change. Uh, prior to this point, China hasn't cared about pirated software. Right. Now they actually say they're going to take steps against it. Yes. Um, now, this was a Microsoft-sponsored study that claimed that like 85% of PCs sold um, with pirated software in China were infected with malware. So there's tons of stuff going out. And this, you know, of course, most things in China are owned by the state, but this wasn't the state of China per se. This was Ali, Alibaba, think uh, Chinese, China's version of Amazon. They have signed a memorandum of understanding that says they're going to take measures to help protect Microsoft's intellectual property within its online stores and then kind of say, Hey, you bought counterfeit software. You need to go. And cause a lot of what they do, uh, they don't really, they do sell stuff, but they have like, there's the Amazon marketplace where I can buy from Bob's computers through Amazon. You, you can buy through, you know, some random Chinese name. I couldn't say through Alibaba. And so the reason his computers are so cheap is he pirated the latest um, OS. And so now you're, it will tell you, Hey, this is fake software. You need to go see, you know, Bob about getting this fixed. So, you know, again, I don't think this cures piracy overnight, but it is at least uh, looking in the right direction, if not stepping in the right direction. Yeah, uh, CEO Steve Ballmer, when he was still CEO, said that Microsoft is probably selling about 5% of the the Microsoft software that exists in China. 95% of it is illegal. Um, and, you know, Steve, Steve was bellicose and, and not uh, known for uh, being entirely accurate, but that's a number I believe. Yeah, or uh, close. It's, it's, yeah, do a, do a Google search 
uh, and it's not hard to find a kiosk on a street in China with everything. You know, not only the latest software, but the latest movies. And, right. you know, you can pick up a copy of Windows um, uh, 8 for three bucks. Uh, and and that's what they do. That's that's what everybody's running. And and like like Seth said here, they're selling stuff online directly, you know, uh, sealed in the box with pirated software on it. Just and just, who cares? Yeah, and it's just one of those things. Don't buy stuff where when you're over there. <laughs> uh, Which so, is fine for us, but what about the people who live there? Yeah, they have yeah. to buy it somewhere. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. This is what the problem is going to be. They're going to quote unquote crack down. And the price for a Chinese man to buy a computer is going to quadruple. Um, and it's, you know, it's going to be seen as an unpopular, uh, uh, chauvinistic American uh, thing to forcibly cause Chinese people harm uh, because they want to get paid for their software. Or, hey, we have this version of Linux that we developed. Yeah. Here, run this. It's free. So, but it's interesting that the, the at least the talk is happening because it hasn't in the right, past. Right. So it's a step in in the right direction, um, and and I I believe it's the right direction. You should get paid for what you create. I'm not Stallman. I don't believe that information wants to be free. Uh, I think if you create something, you should get paid for it. If you want to, if you, if want, you to want to give it, it away, give it away. Right. But getting paid for your work is not evil <laughs> in and of itself. Right. <laughs> So uh, that's it. That's all we got to say this week. Uh, so, Seth, uh, what happened this week in history? Okay, this was uh, I'm, we're going back in time here to January the ninth, eighteen ninety four. New England Telephone and Telegraph installs the first battery operated telephone switchboard in Lexington, Massachusetts. Mass. I just I can't. I never <laughs> could say the word Lexington, Mass. So that happened operated telephone switchboard. Um, why is that a big deal? Um, I don't know. <laughs> okay. No. Um, but, well, you know, I guess it's the, uh, you know, by this time, I think the early electric switchboards were out or not the electric, the automatic ones were. And so now it's battery operated as opposed to maybe directly off the current. I, I honestly don't know. Okay. Maybe uh, telephones carry their own power, which is why you can make a phone call when the power's out if you don't have a cordless phone. Right. Uh, they carry 48-volt power. So maybe by using that voltage to charge a battery instead of power the board, you can transmit stuff farther. I, mm, I don't know. Yeah. But it's still pretty cool. Uh, either way, anyway, that happened this week, 1894. That's how long the phone's been around. That's crazy, 1894. Well, well, the phones have been around like, yeah, longer than that. Longer yeah. than that, but yeah. Um, hold on. There's some somewhere on here. <laughs> he's Googling it yeah. or reading, actually reading the article. Imagine that. Um, Maybe he's not yeah. reading it. Maybe he's thumbing through it. I was I was telling somebody the other day that the, the thing I do least with my phone is make phone calls. Um to the to the tune of minutes a week, t- ten to twenty minutes a week of combined phone call time um, out of hours of use of my phone a day. Um, we should stop calling them phones. What would you call them though? Mobile devices? Yeah, I don't know. We need a new word. Because, um, I mean, do, do you use your telephone for telephones for calling people? 
not as little as you do. I use it more often than you do, but um, I would say the gross majority of it is not a phone. Yeah. I I text people. I listen to books. I listen to podcasts. I play games. I read stuff. Yeah. I don't talk to people. Yeah. Definitely talking would be the bottom of my usage scale. Yeah. So I'm stuck in traffic, and I decide to call my wife for 10 minutes. That's that's what I do with my phone. Um, that's it. Um, I te- I call um, Wingstop before I leave work, so <laughs> <laughs> so it will be. And it's, I live the right distance away that I can walk in, and they're like putting it on the on the counter as I'm paying for it. And one time, you know, they were so busy, they just said, "Hey, it's ready. You can pay when the line goes down." So, see, I don't even do that. I uh, I order pizza online. I don't. I don't even call in my food anymore. Um, I still have to because none of the places in my town have websites because it's a horrible small town. <laughs> I've oh. become cityfied up here. Okay, here you go, Mark. Um, here's what happened. Um, whenever they installed the battery on the switchboard. Um, with what became known as the common battery, replacing the local battery attached to the telephone, the subscriber could signal the operator simply by lifting the receiver from its hook. So it's got rid of, you know, if you watch the old movies where somebody yeah. had to twirl the hand crank, now simply lifting the hook of your receiver notified the operator that there was a call coming in. So that's what the electric battery did. You know, it, it, pre- it prevented the carpal tunnel tennis elbow that you would get from spinning <laughs> the uh, notification. So um, there you go. Before it's news.com had that uh, bit of information. Wikipedia just said they did it. They didn't say why it was important. So before it's news for the, for the down low on that. That's Seth's uh, con- uh, uh, commitment to journalistic integrity right there. He's not going to let the show end <laughs> until he answered that question. Uh, so Seth, uh, while you're uh, talking, what do you have for your uh, – well, it's not your time waster this week. What do you have for your productivity tip this week? Okay. Um, figured I would help you out here. If you want to learn how to do some stuff in Linux, you know, whether it be install or some of them are, you know, I don't necessarily know they would be the right thing. But this is a top 10 Linux.com Linux tutorials of the year for 2014. The link will be in our show notes. Uh, such things has installing Linux on a Chromebook, choose which best Linux distro is for you, how to rescue a non-booting Grub2 uh, install on Linux, stuff like that. Those are some of the examples of the things you can find uh, on the top 10 Linux.com tutorials of last year. All right. There you go. So that one's kind of, uh, that one's a, that one will help you out maybe. I'll I'll go back yeah. to wasting your time in the near future. How to rescue a hubbed grow uh, a, gr- a hosed grub installation is a big deal. Yeah. Um if you need that you really need that. Yeah. Man. Probably a little harder than just booting the spin right, but yeah. Not a lot, actually. Just a rescue disc. It's not a big deal. All right. Uh, That's the end of our show this week. So this is the part of the time where I tell you how you can be on this show. If you want to be like Will and send me something that's completely wrong, uh, (laughs) you can do that. 
uh, over at elementop.com. Just click the Contact Us button at the top of the page and uh, send something that way. Or you can use your own email client of choice, uh, fire up Mutt in your green terminal um, on your 13-inch monochrome screen, and uh, send us an email to uh, edl uh, at elementop.com. Or if you want your voice to be right here beside mine, uh, you can dial 559-IMOP anywhere in North America. That's a free call, and Google Voice will record your message and send it post-haste on to me. Uh, we appreciate hearing from you. Again, if you've got uh, topic suggestions, if you've got guest ideas, if you just want to say you love the show, that's awesome. But you know what? If you love the show, the best person to tell is the people around you. We love uh, when you uh, give us feedback and say, hey, guys, great show. But the best way you could help us is tell everybody else what a great show it is so that they can listen to. Uh, if you're an iTunes user, if you're not, go find somebody who has iTunes on their machine. Give us a rating and review. Uh, believe it or not, that is helpful. Um, and uh, we appreciate you being excellent listeners. Again, we do this show every week exactly for you. Uh, and uh, we wouldn't be doing it without you. Uh, Chris, Seth, thanks for being the amazing host that you are. And I'm going to say that ends this episode of Everyday News.